From interviews and investing to careers and credit, we've got you covered. Wallet Watch is a podcast brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. We'll be interviewing industry experts, sharing personal stories, and even playing some fun games, delivering financial topics in a fun and interesting way. I'm one of your hosts, Amanda. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Devante. We're so glad you're here. Hello, Walla Watch listeners. We're so excited to be back for another episode um, that's revolved around our diversity, equity, and inclusion season. This episode, we are celebrating Pride Month with our ERGCU Pride, and they have a very special guest. So after I introduce them, I'm going to go ahead and give them the reins for the episode. So we have our returning guest. She has been here more than a few times, so we're excited to have her back. Hey, Taylor, how you doing? Hi, Devonta. I'm doing good. Happy to be back again. Woo woo. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remind our audience of who you are? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Taylor, as Devonte said, um, I work at uh, MSU-FCU in the Community Development Department. So I get to do all the fun, good things that the credit union's involved in. Um, I also serve as communications lead on the CU Pride Board. So that's kind of why I'm here. Um, and yeah, and then just for some personal facts, I love knitting and cats. That's what I say every time I think, but that's, <laughs> those are my hobbies, so. Yes, knitting and cats. I need a sweater and a kitty. I can do that. The sweater <laughs> will come with cat hair. So it's not a good deal. <laughs> And then we have our first time guest here. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Devante. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Can you introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, yeah, so I am Melissa. I work at MSUFCU in the Research and Digital Experience Department um, as our research specialist. And, you know, like Taylor, I do like knitting. I also like crocheting. Uh, I also can crochet you something with cat hair on it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I also like dogs, too, so it could have dog hair on it, too. (laughs) Very random question. What's the difference between knitting and crocheting? Ooh, so crocheting is usually one singular hook, whereas knitting is two knitting needles. Wow. Yeah. Things I never thought I would find out. I know, right? But thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, and I will go ahead and turn over the reins of the episode to you all. Perfect. So um, we're super excited. We have Michaela Heffernan with us today. Um, Michaela, can you introduce yourself and just tell um, our listeners some fun stuff about yourself? Sure thing. So as Taylor said, my name is Michaela Heffernan. Uh, My pronouns are she, hers. I am a Solace Center board member. Sala Center is Lansing's only LGBT plus uh, resource center. I also have a, quote, day job, as it were, as a legislative director for a state representative in the Michigan House. In my spare time, my hobby, I am currently editing a children's novel um, that I've written and that one of my friends will hopefully be illustrating. That is so awesome. Thanks so much for being here, Michaela. We're super excited to have you. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, Sala Center is the only uh, LGBTQIA plus uh, center in Lansing. Can you kind of tell us more about the purpose uh, for the center and its mission? 
Sure, so one of the first questions we get is always, what does solace mean? Solace is a Latin word that means wholeness and well-being, and that's really kind of fed into our mission. We try to embody that ideal. We want our community to be well, to feel whole in their identity and their experiences. We really envision a community that's thriving without barriers, that's connected and feels comfortable in their own skin and in their own existence. And that respects the diversity of experiences that we have here in Lansing. That's beautiful. Definitely wonderful. I, I know that um, I live in downtown and I love walking by the center. It's just so uplifting and bright and yeah, just a great place. So uh, Isabella Copeland, um, actually the co-director of Silas Center, um, mentioned that you were a founding team member. Um, can you speak more on that? I know you kind of did touch base on the need in the community, but what did that look like and why did uh, you and the founders establish the Silas Center? I came into Solace Center on a whim. My partner wanted to attend their one-year anniversary slash birthday party. I went with them, and at one point the conversation turned to nonprofit work, and my partner happened to mention my work with a few other nonprofits and my educational background, and as they say, the rest was history. Um, <laughs> I went from being just kind of a general volunteer to being an executive board member. I think of myself as a kind of a fill-in-the-blank person. If you need something and I can do it, I'm there. Whether that's, you know, at one point I was in in a closet, which is pretty ironic, but I was cleaning it out and scrubbing down the walls. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> and then, you know, the next day I'm working an art show that I've put together for Solace. So really it's wherever I'm needed. So it looks like over time, you know, your role has kind of changed and evolved. Uh, can you explain a little bit about that? So just going from a volunteer to being a board member has been fantastic. I've been able to sit and at one point, you know, help guide the center through the COVID-19 crisis to help draft our bylaws, to help um, rework our website, rework kind of what we're doing and help plan for the future. And that's what I'm really excited about is seeing all the good work that Solace is about to be doing in addition to the great work we're already doing. That's awesome. Because, you know, you talk about, you know, you have grown a lot. I feel the center has grown so much since 2017. Can you explain more about like things that have happened? Uh, sure. So um, originally Solace Center was not just Solace Center. We were up until 2020 technically Solace Center UCC. Our founder, Piwa Langini, who is now the ambassador for innovation and engagement with the United Church of Christ, opened Solace up under the umbrella of the United Church. Now we are a registered 501c3. We are no longer under the umbrella of the UCC. However, we do still have Piwa on as technically a pastor for specifically the aspect of Solace that is uh, religious. Um, at that point, it's just one of our many groups. We work with so many different partner organizations. We're at around 17 or so that we work with. Solace Center is a hub uh, for the community, and that's really important. So in addition to folks using our space to meet, uh, folks using our space to kind of organize and to talk and to just be with each other, um, we're currently working to arrange a COVID-19 vaccine pop-up. Um, we are working on a pride mur mural and I believe we're also working on a food bank event as well. One of my personal projects is the queer art sale that we have. Um, everyone is welcome to sell, but the goal is to actually target and lift up the LGBTQIA community and artists in the greater Lansing area. Um, it is supposed to be an annual event, but COVID-19 threw a wrench in that. I'm kind of hopeful we can hold it in 2022. Uh, in the meantime, we are also looking for a new executive director to someone that has the capacity to work full-time and take us to the next level. 
We currently have three executive directors who are all part-time and who do amazing work. I know I'm really sad to lose them, as is the rest of the board, but hopefully we'll be having them stay on in some capacity. Yeah, that's wonderful. I've personally um, gotten to uh, speak with Isabella, and so, I mean, and also the other two uh, co-directors, and they are so amazing, and their passion just exudes. I mean, it's so apparent. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing to see how much the center has grown and the awareness around it, and that's why, I mean, we got to have you here. You know, we you just have such a presence in this community. I know that you did mention uh, that you are a legislative director. Um, does that position affect or inform your role as a board member and vice versa? So I wouldn't say that my position affects my role as a board member, but the same skills that I use in my you know, day-to-day -day job are really useful as a board member. Uh, navigating the political landscape, understanding policy and the impact it has on a community, and of course talking with folks who <laughs> might not have the same views as you. I do that day in and day out no matter what I'm doing. Yeah, that's amazing. So I kind of want to go back to mention that Sale Center is one of uh, MSCFC's uh, 2021 uh, charity partners. Because you talked about you were, you know, there's different, it's a hub, there's so many different groups that work out of there. How important are partnerships like working with a credit union and, you know, working with other, you know, groups to the Sale Center? So first, let me just say that we are so thankful for what MSUFC is doing and what the employees are doing um, for what for the center and for our community. We can't be a community center without the community. Um, the partnerships, like the partnership we have with MSUFC, really does make all the difference. It's not just fundraising and it's actually awareness. It's getting our message out there. And then there's the flip side where having these partnerships with the community keeps us linked up with what's happening and what the needs in the community are. Yeah, and I think that's another benefit that the credit union has from partnering with Salah Center and supporting them as well is we get to learn what the community needs because I always say you're only as strong as your community. And so if you don't have those partnerships, um, I mean, you just can't grow, the community won't thrive, and so we appreciate everything Salah Center does and provides, and I mean, we do have a very uh, passionate, like I said, um, like LGBTQIA um, community within the credit union itself with CU Pride, and so having that service available um, is just so special, and um, we really appreciate you, so. So we have like a few things that we've implemented at the credit union. Uh, to be more inclusive of the LGBTQIA uh, plus employees and members. Some things that we've done so far are uh, we've made, you know, LGBTQIA plus uh, friendly business documents. Um, we have made a transitioning toolkit to assist employees transitioning. Uh, this also helps educate uh, colleagues on how to best support their coworkers through their transition. Um, we've replaced all uses of he, she, uh, with they, them on our credit union materials. We've uh, updated our processes to ensure the credit union is uh, supporting inclusive organizations. We are working on some things uh, such as having members uh, chosen name rather than their legal birth name on their debit and credit cards, uh, working on getting pronouns on member applications uh, as well as their accounts. For employees, we use pronouns on our internal website and chat rooms as well as uh, we're working towards uh, name tags and place cards that will also have their pronouns, um, as well as gender neutral logo wear. Uh, so based on this list, is there any areas that you see that the credit union can improve on um, or we haven't considered? Or is there other organizations that would better uh, help support the LGBTQIA plus employees in the community? 
So that list is frankly an excellent start. And this may actually be something you're already doing, but the most important thing is, is the education. Making sure that members know that all employees from the top down to, you know, the contractor that comes in every so often to change the light bulbs understands why these changes are being made, why it's important, and why inclusivity is so real and such, such an important issue for people to address. I love that. I, I do think that, you know, for, you know, especially in the CU Pride group, we really try to educate ourselves and educate, you know, we really want to make sure that other employees understand why we have our ERG. So I really like that. Thank you. All right. Speaking of education, would you be able to educate us on why Pride Month is so important? Sure thing. So a little bit of history first, um, starting with the Stonewall Uprising in June of 1969. Pride Month is an entire month dedicated to uplifting LGBT plus voices, celebration of the culture and support of our rights. It commemorates and it celebrates activism and culture throughout the years. And it's really, it's part political activism, uh, part celebration of everything that we have achieved, how far we've come. Um, just frankly, a celebration of the amazing different facets and uh, personalities and identities that we have that all come together as one big family. That's, that's lovely. I was actually just speaking to our uh, DEI director about that and how even within this community, there's just so much diversity, but the closeness we all feel is family. We had talked about CU Pride and someone did describe our group as family and that's what this community is. And um, you mentioning Stonewall too, I think it's important to point out that Pride Month is also a celebration of intersectionality and that's so important because without, um, I don't know, Marsha P. Johnson, where would we be today and others like her? So thank you. Marsha P. Johnson and other folks that have just helped and have brought our community so far and they're fantastic. And I do think it's also important to note that, you know, while the civil rights movement for queer individuals has made, you know, so many strides in the last decades, especially recently, um, we're still actually pretty far from true freedom and equality. And it's another reason that Pride is so important and why we should never forget, A, where Pride started, why Pride started, and where we've come from. So where would um, you direct folks that do want to learn more about uh, Pride Month and the history and just how to uplift the community? So there are some amazing internet resources that you can find. Your local library tends to have some pretty good resources as well. Um, Human Rights Campaign, ACLU, uh, the Trevor Project, um, folks like that. Solace also has a small lending library that we are working on expanding. Currently, you can come into the center during our open hours, grab a book, and just sit and read and be. We are working on getting that expanded, making it grow, and making it so people can actually check out books. Uh, that's amazing, because obviously education is so crucial, so thank you. Yeah, and I know, um, so we established a DEI council this year, actually, and um, without giving too much away, because we haven't fully announced it the credit union yet, we are working to have that education piece, because it is important for our members and employees to know why pronouns matter, and inclusivity and representation matter, and we also want to prepare um, employees that might not have a lot of experience with using pronouns or knowing the importance, um, being able to have that conversation with members. Um, we're also working towards using uh, just gender neutral, um, like when you address a member, instead of saying sir or ma'am, using something more gender neutral, um, just to really like 
just to make sure we're being inclusive because you don't know. We can't make that assumption on people's pronouns and um, how they identify. And so, yeah, like you said, the education piece is just crucial. And that's how you really empower people to support this community. So um, wonderful. And like I mentioned, we do have a DEI council. Um, so myself is actually on it. And two of my other colleagues are working on a project um, in collaboration with our human resources department uh, to better source diverse talent. Um, can you maybe tell me what does like the LGBTQIA plus community look for an employer and how do we reach um, these applicants in an authentic way because we don't want to be performative and target. We want to reach out to them and have them know that we are a safe place to be employed where they're valued and heard and represented and appreciated. I think it's important to state that, you know, I can only speak for myself and my own um, experiences, but what I look for in an employer is what you've said, it's authenticity over performity. Um, you use the word authentic and that's really, really important. It, you can make these changes, but if you're not making them wholeheartedly, people will not feel comfortable. People will recognize the difference. And you know, we see it pretty often. There are some businesses that are very supportive of the community you know, during June, during Pride Month, and then for the rest of the year, silent. And we're moving away from that, I think, a little bit, but it's important that we keep moving away from that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a continuous process of self-reflection, um, taking inventory of where you're at and what you can improve on, because needs also change. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's great. Thank you. So, uh, Michaela, you mentioned the word performative. Do you mind defining that for our listeners? So I don't know the actual dictionary definition, so I'll use kind of an in-use uh, definition. Uh, performative is when you're doing something purely for the benefits that it gets you, not because you believe it, not because you think it's something that's good that should be done. So a good example of that is um, the companies that will add a rainbow to their webpage or to their social media for the duration of Pride Month, but will continue to support locations that have anti-trans legislation uh, pending in the state legislature or anti-LGBT plus in any form um, policies, um, organizations that state that they support the community but then do not support their own employees um, who may be transitioning or who may be married to a same-sex partner or have a same-sex partner. And it's important that we notice these issues and that we speak up. And I, I agree. The more we speak up, the more like, we're setting a standard, too. And sometimes maybe companies don't realize also um, there is some ignorance behind it. So when we set that standard and ask them or like let them know that this is meeting our needs and needs to be more than just, like you said, the rainbow on the social media picture, profile picture, um, I think that's where there can be room for growth and learning. So thank you. I wanted to ask back to when we talked about, you know, you said that we have, you know, the South Center is looking for a new executive director. Uh, you know, there was some leadership changes last year uh, with the part-time directors, and you had to search for funding to basically stay afloat. Since launching the campaign, the center has received over 63,000 of its 80,000 goal, which was incredible. Why do you think the campaign was so successful? To be frank, the community showed up for us um, from large fundraisers to, you know, the small one-time donation. Every dollar counts, every cent counts. The, the Lansing community showed up and the bonus to that is that every single cent that was donated is going back to the community. It's going back to the Lansing area. It's going back to the LGBT plus community in Lansing. Solace is a community resource first and foremost, and 
I think that our campaign really did show that when you serve your community, they'll dedicate themselves and they'll come back for you tenfold. Yeah, and I also think it just really showed that there is a need. I, I know that um, when last year we had talked about it in our chat uh, for CU Pride, and we talked about how devastating it would be to lose that resource. Um, so there's a need, and um, yeah, I remember sharing that around on social media quite a bit and just having those discussions with my friends, and I'm happy the community did show up because um, you show up for us, so... Well, I think it's important to note that, you know, outside of Lansing, the next major resource center that I can think about is Ann Arbor, Grand Rapids. And we're not just serving, you know, Lansing City, we're serving the greater Lansing area. You know, kids in Holt, kids in East Lansing, kids in Okemos, Mason, we're a hub and we're a place where they can come and feel respected and seen and comfortable with who they are. That's, I mean, that's just lovely. And it honestly gives me chills. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for that. I guess the last thing we kind of really want to talk about, um, what can our listeners do to support the center and other um, LGBTQIA plus uh, nonprofits in, in the area? So I've mentioned it before, and first and foremost, educate. Educate yourself, educate your friends and neighbors. A lot of the time, the unknown is scary. And it's important to point out that the LGBT plus community, we're not a boogeyman. We're not hiding in the shadows, ready to steal your rights away. We just, we're people. We want to live our lives. <laughs> um, the better educated you are about the issues that affect our community and the resources that are available to us, the easier it is to stand up for LGBT plus folks and be an actual ally. I love it. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I will say that the next step is, you know, to donate. Getting funding is one of our top priorities. It's hard to be a nonprofit. It's hard to serve the community. And there's a lot of funding out there, but there's also a lot of nonprofits out there. And we are all competing for the same funds because we have the same community with the same issues. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, uh, volunteer. <laughs> We're always looking for extra hands when the center is up and running. Um, We've been closed for a while because of COVID, and I know MSUFCU employees actually came out and helped us, you know, clean up the uh, center and just another example of how little things make a difference. Yeah, I had um, my uh, close friend and colleague actually is one of the ones that volunteered, and she sent me the pictures, and it just looks beautiful. I mean, it's just a vibrant, welcoming space, and I can't wait to personally go in and see it. So, so if someone wants to donate, what would be the best way? Go to your website? Yep. Um, to donate, the best way would be to go to our website, solacecenter.org. So it's S-A-L-U-S-C-E-N-T-E-R dot O-R-G. Um, there's a variety of different options to donate. Um, information about volunteering is also there. Um, information about our search for a new executive director is there as well, and as well as our list of programming. I also did want to mention that uh, Solace Center will actually have... Um, Queer artists, um, art pieces on display at uh, MSU-FCU headquarters branch lobby through the month of June. So be sure to come and check it out. It's going to be beautiful. And we're just really excited for you to take over that space and showcase all of the wonderful artists we have in this community. So be sure to, yeah, like I said, come by uh, during the month of June. And I just also want to thank you so much, Michaela, for joining us today. It was just really educational. And uh, again, we just really appreciate what Solace Center offers this community. And we can't wait to continue our partnership with you. Yeah, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you guys having us on and having us as a community partner. Um, I'm excited myself to see the showcase, um, and I'm also excited because we are hoping at the end of June to announce our new executive director. So stay tuned, check out our social media, and hopefully 
Uh, the center will be up and running again soon. So swing by and visit us during our open hours. We have them on our website. I will definitely be bugging y'all. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for the CU Spotlight. MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union don't just sponsor this podcast. We believe in investment in the community. We have recently established another way of helping, the Dust Drawer Fund, a foundation supporting the MSU FCU and OU Credit Union communities. The Dust Drawer Foundation focuses on five philanthropic pillars, arts and culture, stable housing, empowering youth, financial education, and fostering entrepreneurialism. If you'd like to learn more about the foundation or donate, please visit DestroyFund.org. Wallet Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Amanda Kahn, Devante Montgomery, and me, Lindsay Morgan. Our executive producers are Whitney Anderson Harrell and Lauren Kalarzik. Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our credit union's website, financial48.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.